Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Jim Harold from Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast will be here in hour two of the program to discuss strange synchronicities. Uh, this is the subject of a recent podcast of Jim's. It's one of my favorite subjects, and Jim happens to be one of my favorite storytellers. So stay tuned for that second hour. This hour, prolific author, researcher, philosopher, Joseph Farrell will weigh in with his thoughts on the coronavirus pandemic. We'll get Joseph in here in just a moment. Just a reminder to register at strangeplanet.ca for my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum. And the April edition will be coming out very shortly, so don't miss out. Again, go to strangeplanet.ca and you'll be asked for your name and email, and that's it. And then you can just sit back and you'll receive the Inner Sanctum for free every month delivered to your email inbox. And then you'll also be automatically entered into the monthly draw for free Strange Planet gear for my Strange Planet shop. T-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, mugs, and more. The uh, coronavirus pandemic has killed over 30,000 people worldwide. The death toll in Lombardy, Italy, which is the worst affected region in Italy, has slowed. It sounds kind of strange to measure success by the number of deaths, but they have slowed somewhat substantially. And the number of cases is declining. So hopefully that trend will continue. The mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, has said the city will run out of Critical medical supplies, including ventilators. Well, where have we heard that before? Apparently, there are a lot of them sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Meanwhile, in China, life is almost back to normal. Shops, restaurants, bars, offices open for business. Manufacturing activity is picking up. Traffic, once again, jams the highways of major cities. Three quarters of China's workforce was back in the job as of the 24th of March, according to one company's estimate. Wuhan, where the COVID-19 pandemic originated, is lagging, as is the rest of Hubei province. But even there, the lockdown is due to lift April the 8th. So are we overreacting? Are we not taking this seriously enough? Are there powerful agendas at work behind the scenes? Here to discuss is Joseph Farrell, a recognized scholar who's Credentials include a Ph.D. in philosophy from the University of Oxford. His literary contribution is a veritable resume unto itself, covering such fields as Nazi Germany, sacred literature, psychics, or sorry, physics, uh, finances, the Giza pyramids, and music theory. He's a renowned researcher with an eye to assimilate a tremendous amount of background material. Joseph is able to condense the best scholastic research and publication and draw insightful new conclusions on complex and controversial subjects. And he is the author of numerous titles, including, well, here's just a smattering, Nazi International, The Giza Death Star, The Giza Death Star Deployed, The Giza Death Star Destroyed, The SS Brotherhood of the Bell, Reich of the Black Sun, The Cosmic War, Secrets of the Unified Field, Roswell and the Reich, The Nazi Connection, Genes, Giants, Monsters and Men, Babylon's Banksters, Transhumanism, a Grimoire of Alchemical Agendas, Thrice Great Hermetica and the Janus Age, The Third Way, Covert Wars and Breakaway Civilizations, and Hidden Finance. 
Joseph Farrell, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thanks for having me back, Richard. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm all right. I mean, I, we, we always you know, open the show when we, we a, I sort of ask that question. But how are you? I mean, how are you coping? Well, you know, to me, I work at home so much that it's really not much of a change for me. But, you know, I have several friends. I have teachers that are friends of mine. I have people that work in media, and, and they're kind of suffering because, you know, they're locked down at home, essentially. Right. Well, here's the interesting thing is that the media and the CDC mm-hmm. and the World Health Organization, they keep throwing the data in our face, the number of deaths. And, and you can see they have these websites now where it's like a ticker tape on a stock market. You can right. see the number of cases going up and the number of deaths. It's all very serious and tragic, of course. That goes without saying. But right. what they're not telling us about are what you just mentioned, the people that are suffering because the economy is being cratered. Don't yes. you find that interesting that they're they're hyping the deaths and the illness, but not the the economic um, uh, hit that people are taking? Well, I, I find it interesting. You know, I, I certainly am not a, a medic a medical person at all. But when this started, I found it very interesting that it had all the earmarks of an operation of some sort to distract people while a lot of financial shenanigans were going on behind the scenes. Uh, and, you know, Catherine Fitz coined the term that this is a pandemic, and in some respects I'm agreed with her that there's a lot of strangeness to this whole story. For example, you know, shortly after this became a major story, the uh, Harvard chair of, of their chemistry department, Dr. Charles Lieber, was arrested by the federal government down here. And the story was that he allegedly had not disclosed his relationship with the Wuhan Institute of Technology, which is very interesting because Dr. Lieber was involved in, in bio including nanotechnology. In other words, how do we, how do we create things that we can turn on and off, you know, by means of, of, of uh, nanotechnology. So there's an aspect of this story, I think, that goes there. There's an aspect of the story just with, with respect to the numbers that they keep citing. You know, Imperial College in Great Britain came out uh, a few days ago with astronomical numbers of predictions of people that would come down with the virus, and then they revised that that prediction downward by a whole order of magnitude. So, <laughs> you know, are we are we really in a pandemic, or is something else going on here? Well, uh, I want to pick up on a couple of points. One, sure. you mentioned uh, the Harvard professor. We had a somewhat similar story up here. Yep. We have a, a microbiology uh, lab in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Winnipeg, yep. I believe it's a level four. It is. And obviously, this is where a lot of these dangerous uh, viruses are, are stored and studied. Yep. And uh, there was uh, a, a Chinese national, uh, two of them, I think, and two several of, of their students who were, uh, I guess their, their security clearances were withdrawn and they were escorted out of the, out of the building. Yep. Uh, and the RCMP investigated uh, the, this couple, or at least I believe the, uh, the woman uh, in, in this story, a Chinese national, made a number of uh, trips to uh, Wuhan where she was working sort of, I guess, off the books for this, this company over there. So then the question is, were they somehow stealing technology, sharing technology, stealing information? It well, kind of lines I, up I with believe, what you're saying. Yeah, I believe so. If, if I recall the story correctly, Richard, the RCMP determined that they were involved in some of that coronavirus research. 
And, you know, that occurred, that story broke, I think, just a few days prior to the arrest or right around the time of the arrest of Dr. Lieber. So there's an aspect of this story that doesn't make much sense to me. And the way I'm kind of viewing it uh, from what's the news available down here is, is that this is some sort of, of operation to cover a lot of financial shenanigans, and we see this going on already. Um, we have that case over in Germany of the Kreditanstalt für Wiederaufbau, which is their bank for reconstruction that was started after World War II. Well, they came out just last week and announced an extensive line of credit to German businesses, and I found that very peculiar because the, that's a German government-owned bank. So, you know, this is an action being taken by the German government. And they're completely bypassing the European Central Bank, and they're even bypassing the Bundesbank, their, their central bank. And then, lo and behold, a few days later, the finance minister of the German state that, that the bank is located in, the bank is located in, in Frankfurt, which is in Hesse, well, he turns up dead of a suicide on, on train tracks. So there's something, you know, it looks to me, Richard, an awful lot like there's something else going on behind the scenes, and they're using this coronavirus story to literally suck the the air out of every other story going around, on around the world and divert people's attention while they're doing some sort of financial shenanigans. Right, and I, I think it's important uh, to state here. I mean, I think people should, you know, follow the... Uh, yeah, uh, you know the government instructions. Take all precautions. Right. Uh, you know, shelter in place, quarantine, protect right. the elderly and the vulnerable. Uh, however, having said that, you know I, I think you're right that whenever that old saying, "Never let a good crisis go go to go waste." waste. And yeah. so, you know, what would this 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 could be an actual a pandemic? But the question is, you know, who is taking advantage of it, and as you say, using it. Uh, for cover, but I just wanted to make a couple other points on the on the numbers. And you mentioned uh, the um, uh, the numbers out of the UK and uh, how they are uh, downplaying now the number of of cases because what that does is it is it it inflates the fatality uh, rate. Yes. Um, and so, for example, uh, Anthony Fauci, who's kind of the, uh, the, 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 the White House face of this, uh, the pandemic management, if you will, Tony Fauci just wrote a piece last month, I guess, in the New England Journal of Medicine. And he said that the, the cases are being, perhaps by several orders of magnitude, downplayed. In other words, there could be far more right. uh, people that are asymptomatic or have mild symptoms. And so that the, as the, the number of cases goes up, then again, the case, the fatality rate goes down. And so what we may end up having here is just uh, a very typical, well, I shouldn't say typical, a severe influenza, which which happens, right. you know, we had uh, we had one in 57, we had one in 68, right. uh, but we didn't, sh we didn't shutter the economy back then, did we? No, we didn't. And this, this is the disturbing thing about this. And there's something else that needs to be mentioned here. You know, I go back to the arrest of Dr. Charles Lieber, which I find very significant, because he was involved, as I said, in, in both, um, you know, virus and biological research, plus nanotechnology. And the outbreak of this thing, if you look at certain places like Italy, where you have this outbreak, you also see coordination with, with places where 5G has been installed and implemented. That's also true of Wuhan in that province. And it appears to me like there might be a possibility here in this story that that a multitude of of vectors 
are being covered by coronavirus. In other words, we might not be looking just at a coronavirus uh, problem. We might be looking at other things that are being called that for convenience sake because the vector of this thing is, is really very, very problematical. We don't know who patient one was or patient zero was. We don't really have a good vector of how this thing developed, and, and the Chinese obfuscated things so badly at the beginning of this thing it's hard to tell. So there might be something else going on here, and it might have been, you know, I'm willing to entertain the idea that this might have been designed on, on purpose to, to come out at this time or to be activated at this time, depending on how you want to look at it. But it's all very mysterious. And, and the other problem with, with these numbers, Richard, is that the tests, you know, the, the initial tests that they were using for the coronavirus were oftentimes reporting false positives. So even the numbers here are badly obfuscated. So this story is, is, is shot through with problems top to bottom, and that's what makes me think that this is, in part, at least an operation, or at the bare minimum, as you say, a crisis that you know they're not letting go by without doing some other things, a crisis of opportunity. Joseph Farrell, my guest, the author of, uh, oh, so many books, the Giza Death Star series, of course, Babylon's Banksters. Uh, covert wars and breakaway civilizations and uh joseph incidentally are you still doing the youtube show news and views from the nefarium oh yes absolutely yeah and uh when when uh did, are those live or when when can well, we see I those do them live but i don't have any set time to do them usually i do them sometime on thursday uh and if if you sign up or get a subscription to it you'll get a little notice that i'm going live but i don't have any particular time of day i do them i just do them when I, when i'm ready <laughs> on thursday news and views from the nefarium just go to youtube and then uh uh search joseph farrell and uh, or go to gizadeathstar.com and i'm guessing you've linked to it there as well oh yes absolutely giza g i z a death star Dot com. Um, getting back to the data for a moment, and I, I obviously we'll touch on some other matters, but uh, Candace Owens, who happens to be one of my favorite uh, conservative commentators, mm-hmm. uh, an incredibly talented uh, young woman, mm-hmm. uh, tweeted out something, an interesting stat I thought, and, and I don't, you know, she, she seems to have done her research on this. Apparently, if you were to uh, die from uh, heart disease, in the United States, and about a thousand people a day mm-hmm. die from heart disease in the United States. If you were to die, and uh, the uh, the post mortem showed you were even asymptomatic, but still had a coronavirus, you would be added to the coronavirus uh, death uh, stat, if you will, right. Right. which I find very interesting. How many other people? Uh, you know, people who have other comorbidities, uh, pneumonia or, uh, you know, diabetes or or or, or um, kidney failure and all of these things. People that would probably be passing away at some point in the not too distant future. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are added to this list. So that may be that may be inflating the numbers. It's hard to say really what's going on. Yeah, this is the part that bothers me, Richard, so much about this whole thing is is that they're playing with the numbers. And if they're playing with the numbers and promoting a, a meme, basically, of, of hysteria and panic, which I don't know, I can't speak for the media up there, but it certainly seems that way with the media down here. Um, it, it seems to me that that's another indicator that this is an operation, that they're, they've designed something 
to accomplish a lot of objectives that they want to get accomplished. And, and you know, we can talk about those later in the show because I think there's there's certainly some some geopolitical fallout from all of this. Right now, if it was. Uh um, you mentioned Catherine Fitz uh, dubbing this a plandemic. In other words, it was planned, so it was engineered. Right. I mean, obviously, if you're going to if you're going to design a bioweapon uh, that that's designed to do massive damage in terms of you know uh, in terms of fatalities, you wouldn't probably you wouldn't you wouldn't use a coronavirus because right. yes, it's per- pervasive, but it's not particularly lethal. So right. then, if it was planned, the idea here was not not designed as a bioweapon to, to kill, but just to disrupt. Is that right. the idea? Yes, that's precisely the idea, and that's precisely what I think is going on, because if you look at this, the country that is hardest hit geopolitically, just in terms of, of the implications, is going to be China. And, you know, we've seen for for years now China building out its Silk Road project and so on and so forth, and maneuvering with many other countries to get off the dollar reserve system. And this this virus is is going to I, I think you're already seeing it happen in in some places. It's going to make countries pull away from China. So and Xi has kind of doubled down on this himself by by stating that this is this is a bioweapon and you know, we're gonna to have to respond in kind. So this this is already isolated i think isolated china to a certain extent and it's cracking apart that chinese russian nexus and in a way i think has forced russia to choose between china and, and europe so to speak which it appears russia has done by by the massive amount of aid that they've just sent to italy so there's going to be some geopolitical fallout over the long term from this thing and i think china was target number one at the top of the list that's interesting um because one of the someone on Twitter pointed this out, and I wish I had the person's name. It was a very astute comment or observation. Two of them, one actually, one was that the um, the contagion did not spread in China. As far right. as I know, there were no cases in Beijing. Right. Uh, so that's curious to me. Yeah. Uh, as this p- person pointed out, and secondly, there was uh, some film. There was some video footage, news footage of President Z going to Wuhan uh, wearing nothing more than a surgical mask. Right. Here he is on the front lines walking around with a surgical mask, which seemed very curious. And this uh, Twitter, uh, the, the person who tweeted this out, pointed out, well, you know, compare that to Vladimir Putin, who put on the entire hazmat suit when he did the same thing. Right. Did What did, what did Z know? What did President Z know? Did they already have... They already have the antidote. Did they already have the vaccine? Right. Uh, because they were the ones that created this. I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, I think a, a rule of thumb for any sort of bio warfare is you don't release anything like that without having a vaccine or a cure to, ready to hand. So, you know, it may it could be that Xi did know something at that stage, and I think. I think his announcements recently that this was a bioweapon of some sort and that they're going to respond in kind is an indication that they had some intelligence on on all of this. But the other aspect of this that bothers me immensely, Richard, is is this 5G connection that's making the rounds on, on some Internet discussions of this whole story. Because if you reflect back a few years ago, you recall those stories of birds dropping out of the sky Stone Cold Dead in Tennessee, and then there was another episode in, in the American state of Idaho of birds just dropping out of the sky. Well, at the time, we were told 
that these birds had suffered some sort of sudden onset bird flu. And I blogged about this in the last couple of weeks. Somebody sent me a paper, and I put it up on my website, about electromagnetic means of, of, of inducing death in, in populations. And lo and behold, some of the symptoms that result in the pathology are mimicking the symptoms and signs of flus and influenzas. So Joseph, I'm just going to jump in here. Joseph, we'll pick up on this on the other side. Joseph Farrell, my guest. Key Bono, coronavirus, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Joseph Farrell is here. GizaDeathStar.com, the website, Giza, as in the pyramid, GizaDeathStar.com. And from there, you can link up to his YouTube channel, News and Views from the Nefarium, and new episodes typically on uh, Thursdays, but tons of uh, information at GizaDeathStar.com. All right, before the break, you were talking about how 5G, this new iteration of digital technology rolling out, and Wuhan is kind of at the epicenter for that, and coincidentally at the epicenter for the coronavirus outbreak, and you were saying that there were certain symptoms, electronic sensitivity and so forth, that some people have, the Wi-Fi flu, some have called it, and how that mimics or mirrors some of the symptoms of coronavirus. Explain. Well, this this is based largely on a paper I was mentioning before the break that, that somebody sent me, and I go back to a couple of stories that appeared a few years ago where we had incidences of birds dropping out of the sky in this country, in the state of Tennessee and, and the state of Idaho. And at the time, we were, to- we were told that these birds fell dead in mid-flight, incidentally, because of something they were trying to pass off called sudden-onset bird flu. And at the time, I thought that, well, this was a bunch of nonsense because flu doesn't, you know, doesn't act that quickly nor have that kind of effect on whole flights of birds. So I thought there may have been some sort of electromagnetic uh, technology being tested or deployed. And we've seen 5G tests recently in the Netherlands with, again, flights of birds just dropping stone-cold dead. And to me, it's very interesting that there is this 5G correlation, at least as far as northern Italy is concerned. And at least as far as Wuhan is concerned, with the outbreak of this thing. So I've even entertained the idea, Richard, that we might be looking at some sort of bioelectronic warfare taking place in this scenario. And certainly the Chinese statements about biowarfare and so on aren't, aren't putting that idea to rest. So something else is going on with this whole thing. There was a book written, I can't remember the author, a good friend of the program, George Freund, sent me the link. Someone who wrote a book who was making the connection, a similar connection, to the Spanish influenza yes. in 1918 and the advent of electricity and yes. radio waves. Because where the camp, it actually broke out in France, not Spain, at the U.S. base in France, they were experimenting with wireless telegraphs. As That's kind of interesting fact, then. It's interesting that you mention that because, Richard... Most people don't know that General Pershing kept in touch with Washington, D.C. by means of very low-frequency radio that was actually being beamed through the Earth itself, much like we do nowadays with, with submarines and so on. Well, this was a technology that was has been around for a long time. So you were using a very different and very unusual kind of radio wave, so it doesn't surprise me that you have some sort of 
uh, biological correlation with all of this. That doesn't surprise me at all. All right. So do you think then that the coronavirus is being used as cover because yes. the people that are behind rolling out 5G, they don't want to alarm people because it's going to be so pervasive in our lives. It's the Internet of everything. Everything will have 5G. So in order to not panic us over that, they're saying, well, no, it's, it's not 5G, it's this coronavirus. Is that what's that could, happening? That could very well be, because there are stories that while this virus story is going on, many American schools are being converted as we speak to 5G. So there is that connection, at least in the way that they're using this as a story to get other things done. Right. Now, uh, another friend of the program, media scientist Nelson Thal, was on my podcast last week suggesting that another agenda at work here, again, not that the coronavirus isn't real, but it's being seized upon and used perhaps even by President Trump to bring down or at least to attempt to bring down the Federal Reserve. In other words, all of these checks that he's going to be issuing, and incidentally, he's insisted that his name be on, which I think is a stroke of genius, but all of these checks, when they are redeemed, is it possible that they will be U.S. Treasury notes and not Federal Reserve notes? What do you think oh of that? Boy. Oh, boy, Richard, you, you really hit something there. This, this is a story that's making the rounds. Let me give you my suspicion. President Trump came out during one of his press conferences and announced that if there were going to be corporate bailouts, big corporate bailouts, that this time around he wanted the government to have equity stake in those corporations and that there would be no buybacks. My suspicion is that his real target there is precisely the Federal Reserve. Now, as far as I can tell, that has not happened yet. However, there have been provisions in some of these relief bills about the U.S. Treasury owning those equity stakes. So in other words, if, and I'm underlying the word if, if that is true, then what you're seeing happening is they're moving the, the liabilities, the debt, to the Federal Reserve, and they're moving the assets to the Treasury. And if that's the case, that's a huge and significant step. But again, you know, we're going to have to wait for more details on this as it comes out. But if, if the indicators are, are pointing in that direction, and I think they are, then, then we're in a huge financial reset in the midst of all of this. So let me just see if I understand that. They're shifting the debt to the Fed right. and the assets to the U.S. Treasury. Right. That's the way it looks to me, judging on the base of all the articles I've read about this thus far. That's the way it appears to me. But it, again, I underline it's a mighty big if. If that were the case, how would that sink the Fed? Well, it sinks the Fed by basically kind of making it a front for the Treasury. In other words, you're kind of merging the two, although you're keeping separate balance sheets on, for each institution. Because previously, of course, the Fed has bought sovereign securities and so on, but Trump is now talking about direct equity stakes by the U.S. Treasury in any bailed-out companies. So in other words, the Fed finances and the government picks up the assets. And if that's, if that's the case, that is a major, major reshuffling of, of the deck chairs on the ocean liner of U.S. finance. It would be a huge thing to do. And there's already people out there saying that this has already been done. I'm not quite so convinced of that yet, but there are those indicators out there. Would that also mean that President Trump would nationalize large portions of the debt? It looks to me like what this may be 
being seized upon as a crisis of opportunity is is the following. If the government ends up, let's say, owning equity stakes in Boeing, which has been very hard hit by this coronavirus story, in addition to its problems with the Max 80 aircraft, if that's the case, what this means is the government, by virtue of its equity stake in corporations, would be able to tell those corporations, it's time to move your manufacturing back here. So in other words, it would give the government, it would give the Trump administration a direct ability to carry out the policy that he's been trying to carry out and reshore industry. And, you know, if you can pick up equity stakes in the Federal Reserve along the way, so much the better. <laughs> would there be a reset on the price of gold? Oh, I think so. I, I think you're looking at that right now, uh, Richard, because there appears to be a huge divergence now between paper gold and actual gold that's going on in the markets. And another thing that's been very interesting, I just saw an article today that a lot of commodities markets are planning to go completely electronic, just like the New York Stock Exchange did. And, you know, going completely electronic means that they're able to reshuffle ownership of massive amounts of equity or commodities, you know, literally in the blink of an eye. So there is something going on here financially that they're using this as a crisis of opportunity to get a lot of things done very, very quickly. All right, Joseph, another time out. On the other side, we'll continue our conversation. Joseph Farrell, GizaDeathStar.com. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Just a reminder, coming up at the top of the hour... My good friend, Jim Harold, wildly successful podcaster, the paranormal podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire, and a very successful author as well. We'll talk synchronicities. That's coming up next hour. And uh, next week on the program, a documentary filmmaker, Ali Siadatan, will be here to talk about the uh, coronavirus from a biblical perspective, uh, from a prophetic perspective. And then in the uh, second hour, Craig Webb from the Dream Institute in Montreal will be here. All right, we'll continue along with Joseph Farrell, GizaDeathStar.com, the website. Don't forget his YouTube channel, News and Views from the Nefarium. So I wanted to ask you, we were talking about some of the other agendas uh, here at work using the crisis cover. But before we get back to that, something just occurred to me I forgot to mention, and that is, you know, in terms of, you know, who may have been responsible for this. Before Christmas, North Korea's strongman, Kim Jong-un, do you remember this? He said he's going to deliver a Christmas present to America. Remember that? I mean, is that a coincidence, or is he involved, perhaps? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence. Whether he's involved in it or not, I don't know. But right right after that period that he made that announcement, uh, I think it was within two or three weeks, you know, shortly after this coronavirus story began to break out, Richard, there was another very unusual story, and that was the interception of about $900,000 of counterfeit $1 bills. And in fact, it was intercepted up there in Canada, and it was apparently an interception that was uh, jointly conducted by the RCMP and and, uh, American Intelligence. I forget which agency it was down here. But these were counterfeit $1 bills that were coming into this country via Canada from China. And what I find interesting is that that the counterfeiters chose to counterfeit $1 bills. You know, normally they would counterfeit 20s or 50s or 100s, but these were $1 bills. 
And this occurred right as this coronavirus broke out. And there was nothing in the story that mentioned, you know, these bills had been infected or things like that. But it occurred as this story was going on. And I have to wonder if, in fact, there was some sort of uh, uh, bio-warfare going on with that via North Korea. And the reason I say that is because if you dig and scratch long enough about North Korea, you'll run into stories about uh, the Koreans being used by the CIA to counterfeit American money. There's even been stories that that they have the plates for American $100 bills. And you have to dig long and hard for these stories, but they're out there. So it would nothing right now, Richard, with regards to this story would surprise me. Absolutely nothing. Uh, so in terms of using the, the uh, pandemic as a cover to paper over you know, an economic meltdown. Right. Uh, certainly that happened during 9-11. Right. Uh, is, that also, is that also at work here, that there was, uh, that they saw a collapse coming and that this was used to paper over it? Yeah, I think, I think we have to consider that as part of, of the many objectives of, of this operation, if indeed it's an operation. I tend to think it is. But even if not, even if it's a crisis of opportunity, they certainly are behaving in that fashion. And, you know, while we're at it, we can, we can look at other things that this operation has also done. It has, number one, taken away President Trump's ability to rely on his rallies for his reelection strategy. Number two, it's removed Joe Biden from the necessity of having to appear in debates. So in other words, it's had, it's had a lot of uh, kind of secondary effects that accomplish a lot of objectives for whoever's behind this. And if you roll China into the mix and, and roll China, pardon me, and roll the financial aspects of the way that this, this is being used, then all the indicators are pointing to, in my opinion, to the idea that this is some sort of operation of, of Mr. Global as I like to call him. Right. And so I, I always had the sense that, you know, Trump very early on, I mean, he took very quick action in closing the uh, right. uh, flights from China and so forth. But on the other hand, he was saying, you know, this is nobody talks about the flu deaths and this is, you know, this is right. uh, pales in comparison and so forth. So it was like he was riding two horses at the same time. And I got the sense that he he's been boxed in, basically. So he knows yeah. what he knows what what's going on, but he can't very well go out during a daily press conference and say this is this is a pandemic. To quote Catherine Fitz, right. is that your sense that he's been boxed in and he's he's trying to make the best of uh, this bad situation? Well, I think certainly the attempt was made to box him in, but the way I'm I'm viewing him is he is is counterpunching. He's using this as his own crisis of opportunity. For example. Uh, right around two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, I forget when it was, there were massive arrests down here that did not make the major news of people involved in, in the Mexican cartels all over the country. Hundreds of arrests, as a matter of fact, of, of the MS-13 uh, gang, which has been, you know, if you look at the way that that has been used by, by the so-called deep state people down here, that that was kind of functioning as their paramilitary arm, so that's been shut down. Um, so I, I think he's 
I think the attempt has been made to box him in, whether that's been successful, because, you know, we have all of this talk going on about Federal Reserve and his his bailout package and so on and so forth. Um, it appears to me that he's counterpunching, quite frankly. So he's, he's partially boxed in, but I don't think completely. We also had, and I don't know if this is related or not, but we had a whole... Um, uh, a bunch of of high powered CEOs at major major corporations yes. almost stepping down at the same time. Yes, uh, is there a connection there? Do you think? Oh, I, th- I definitely think so. You know, shortly again, shortly after this whole story really began to to gain some traction in the media down here, you had the sudden resignation of Bill Gates, not only from Microsoft but also from Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Warren Buffett's big company. And I don't think that was accidental in the slightest, because Gates, of course, had sponsored that Exercise 201 down here, which which mirrored in many in many respects what we see going on in actuality right now with the virus. Ah, uh, yes, Event 201. Yes, we have to talk about that. Thank you. Uh, I forgot. I hasten to uh, to bring that up. So let's uh, let's do that on the other side. Uh, Joseph Farrell, my guest. GizaDeathStar.com, the website, news and views from the Nefarium. You really have to check it out. I mean, you're, you're getting, uh, you know, about an hour here with uh, with Joseph, but uh, this is just scratching the surface. So uh, you definitely want to subscribe to news and views from the Nefarium, and then you can have Joseph uh, on your screen every week. We'll talk more on the other side right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Joseph Farrell stays with us for uh, a few moments yet. So, Event 201. This was, um, I believe it was described as a tabletop pandemic exercise. And uh, let's see, it was the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yep. Uh, They were involved. The, uh, The World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins um, medical center was involved, and uh, I think it was October of of 2019, right? Yes, it was. It was it was right before this. And what I find very unusual about that whole event is you're looking at many of the same players that were involved in that event and that are involved now, the CDC and so on and so forth. Um, and there's been in in this respect, there's been other little items in the news that I think are connected to this story: the shutdown of Fort Detrick in this country, which is the U.S. Army's uh, bioweapons research facility. And there was a story uh, shortly before this virus story broke out of the Trump administration trying to do something to, to seize more direct control of the CDC. So there's something going on. But, but the Gates event 201 interests me, Richard, because we saw this during 9-11. We saw all those drills that were being conducted on that day that were mirroring almost exactly certain aspects of what actually occurred. And, you know, the interesting thing about that was that 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 put the American chain of command in a bit of, of a bind because they didn't know whether these things were actually live or if it was part of the drill. And that caused part of the confusion on that day. And Event 201 looks to me to be something similar in that respect. And then all of a sudden, after this whole story starts to break out, people start talking about Event 201, and then suddenly Bill Gates resigns 
both Microsoft and, and Berkshire Hathaway. And the reason I, I think the Berkshire Hathaway part of the story is interesting is that Warren Buffett on 9-11 was located at Office, Office Air Force Base, you know, the center of America's nuclear forces command. So there's, there is a, a peculiar 9-11 aspect of this hovering in the background. And then additionally, it's important for people also to remember that the U.S. government recently awarded its JEDI contract to Microsoft. And then after this virus story started, the government pulled back and said we need to reassess this and whether or not we want to award the whole contract to Microsoft. So something is going on here that we're not being told, in my opinion, about why he resigned so suddenly. It's related to this Jedi contract. I think it's probably related to Event 201, but they're not telling us what it is yet. Hmm. Uh, the CDC, how would you assess uh, their role in this? They were awfully slow getting the testing yep. Uh, uh, done. Uh, what's going on there? Well, that's another, you know that's anyone's guess, Richard. I'm as mystified by their behavior as you are, um, and and part of it goes to this to this other thing that we discussed previously. You know, what exactly are the numbers? Are these tests that that the CD is putting out any good? You know, we've been hearing reports of false positives and so on, and the numbers keep fluctuating. As as you pointed out, Dr. Fauci, who certainly has his connections with that institution is talking about, you know, the effects on of of the numbers of downgrading numbers and increasing percentages of deaths and so on and so forth. So, you know, this whole story is being obfuscated at almost every level and that's what bothers me about it. I think it's a a, a telltale sign that we're looking at a media-driven op of some sort here. Um, so I, I'm 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 as mystified as you are, and I suspect that you know this story about the Trump administration trying to get tighter control of of that institution previous to to this outbreak might have something to do with this story. But again, I don't know what. It's it's almost the opposite of what happened in in 2009, and yeah. and um, I have to credit Cheryl Atkinson. An investigative journalist, fiercely independent, fantastic uh, a journalist, and uh, she was the one that sort of broke the story that the CDC. Uh, th- this was the the swine flu epidemic of two thousand and nine, right? And they stopped they 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 stopped testing, right? They stopped testing people, and and uh, they claimed they they stopped testing because they said, well, it's so widespread now, there's no point. Right. But when she asked them to prov- to provide the numbers. Of cases, uh, they dragged their 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 feet, even their though feet. that information belongs to the public. So she went state by state. She gathered the information herself, and what she discovered was that very very few people were actually testing positive for influenza. Right, right. right. This this is what bothers me here, Richard. And again, I go back to to not only the false positives on some of these tests. The test appear apparently is not reliable. But I go back to something else that I mentioned earlier in in our conversation, and that is it looks to me, when you put all of this together, it looks to me like like coronavirus is a cover story for something that is in part coronavirus but may not be in its entirety the same thing. So we might be looking at at other things going on here in terms of, of the illnesses that people are contracting. Because, again, we have no reliable patient zero for this. We've got obfuscated data coming out of China, uh, and on and on it goes. We've got numbers that are inflated by Imperial College and then later revised a magnitude downward 
So, you know, what what really is going on here? We don't know from one week to the next because of the stories that the media is pumping out. And uh, it's it's a wonderful laboratory, too, for what, what do you call the globalists, Mr. Globaloni? Yeah, Mr. Globaloni. Global baloney, yeah, because uh, they're sitting back and they're watching how so many people are uh, almost welcoming this quarantining and almost celebrating uh, martial law, in effect. Don't you find that kind of disturbing? Oh, I find it extremely disturbing. I find it extremely disturbing because this is the other aspect of, of this operation. I think it has as one of its objectives to find out, you know, do a little social engineering beta testing to find out how people react to this kind of a media-driven, uh, a media-driven story, which to me it still largely is. You know, they're talking about pandemic, but if you run the numbers of the actual deaths that have occurred from this versus the world population, we're we're not talking in pandemic terms at all. This is nowhere near that. But yet people are responding to the media hype. And there's something else I need to mention here in this respect, Richard. I went out, you know, I, I hate to grocery shop. And so I grocery shop about once every two weeks. And so earlier this week I decided to go out grocery shopping and do my two weeks' worth of grocery shopping, thinking based on, on what I was observing where I live that people are not going to be all that hysterical. Well, I went grocery shopping. And, Richard, it was like fighting the Battle of the Somme. Uh, it was just absolute pandemonium. But when I was standing in line to check out and listening to people and why they were there buying groceries, I would, I would guesstimate about 98% of the people were there not because they were responding to any media-driven hysteria. They were responding out of cynicism to the whole story. Uh, in other words, there was there was nothing political about it. There was nothing hysterical about it. They were just responding to to uh, to the government and and to the narrative itself out of a sense of cynicism and well, we better stock up and get ready for something because this doesn't make any sense. That was kind of that was kind of the uh, overwhelming opinion in the grocery store line. Interesting. So if this is kind of the the, the beta test, what are they going to the next pandemic? that rolls around what are they going to lay on us this the next time are they going to say you have to download this app so that we can track you uh well, you know are they are they going to provide us with a, a mandatory vaccine that could be you know that could be any number of things that they want to try and and certainly mandatory vaccine has already been bandied about in certain quarters down here uh i think if they try that route they're going to meet some 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 real opposition um I just don't see that. I don't see that working for them. But there's any number of other things going on as all of this is going on that give me pause, and a large part of it's financial. And you know, I, I, I've even watched the state of Utah begin to roll out its own kind of private local currency called Utah Goldbacks. And interestingly enough, they decided to start marketing these things in Hong Kong of all places. <laughs> so there's, yeah, you know, <laughs> go figure. But but there's all sorts of financial stories going on right now in the background of this thing, and I definitely think if they try it again, you know, we're hearing talk down here of well, this thing could could resurface, you know, in the fall when when temperatures start to go down again. So in other words, they're they're prepping people in a certain way already for the idea that this thing is going to be around and then perhaps go away and then come back around again. 
Right, three waves like the uh, the Spanish flu. Right, exactly. Exactly. Mm, well, yeah, that's going to be interesting because as, as President Trump, I thought, so astutely observed, America is not designed to be quarantined. And Americans and Canadians, you know, right. we're an industrious lot. We want to get out and we want to work. Right. How much longer are we going to... Are we going to put up with this? That's a big question. Joseph, always an immense uh, honor and pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me back on, Richard. GizaDeathStar.com, the website. Jim Harold is next. Synchronicities right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. 